0: Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. When despair for the world grows in me, And I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be. I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Wendell Berry, The Peace of Wild Things I'm Annie V. Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and this week, it's time for our annual reading resolutions episode with guest host Hunter McClendon. Before we get started, I wanted to deliver the good news that the Bookshelf website is back up and running. I would love to tell you all the the behind-the-scenes, ups and downs it took to get to this point, but I will refrain and instead gently remind you that From the Front Porch is a production of a small, independently-owned bookstore, and every purchase you make from our business matters a great deal head to bookshelfthomasville.com to check out the new site, to purchase a shelf subscription or a newly released book or two. There's even time to snag tickets to today's winter literary lunch. And if you're listening to this later, that's okay because the winter literary lunch is recorded and you can watch it any old time. Thank you for your patience while we've been undergoing technical renovations this month. It is so nice to be back. Happy New Year, Hunter.
1: Happy New Year.
0: I feel like Seinfeld or somebody said, like, after January 5th, you weren't supposed to say Happy New Year anymore, but I reject that.
1: Well, I feel like for, like, the... I don't know. In my head, I'm like, oh, it's, like, the first two or three months. It's, like, still new.
0: Yeah. Until my birthday on February 2nd, I want to tell everyone I know, Happy New Year.
1: Listen, if we have to refer to babies as, like, 22-month-olds...
0: Right. (laughs) We can say Happy New Year however long we want. Yeah. So... Hunter is the mastermind behind the popular Bookstagram account at Shelf by Shelf. He's my friend and frequent collaborator. And this week, much like we have done for the past few years, we are sharing our readerly resolutions and intentions. You know, I went back. I went back and listened. Not to full episodes, because I can't do that. I Mm -hmm. cannot listen to my voice. But I did go back. I looked at notes from last year. And then I listened to 2021, our reading resolutions. and hey, the audio quality on these episodes has really improved. Shout out to Studio D. (laughs) We really sound way better. And thank you all for listening, even through the hard years where the audio may not have been great. But how do you feel about your 2022 reading resolutions? Do you remember what they were?
1: I do not remember what they were. Do you know what they were?
0: The only one that I found from your 2022 had to do with your National Book Award project. Didn't you start that in 2022?
1: Yeah, it's so funny because I was so ambitious. I was like, I can read more than 450 books in a year because here's the thing, is that you see people who I forget don't have jobs, you know, they don't have (laughs) lives. And I'm like, well, they're doing it. And then I also remember, oh wait, but they're also reading, Like, and and this is no shade to romances, but it is much easier to take in a romance Mm -hmm. in three or four hours than it is to take in Catch-22.
0: Well, and it is easier to books are their job. And books are my job. That is true. But reading isn't my job. Running a business and a bookstore is my job. And reading is a part of that. But there are lots of other parts of that. And I think um, some people who maybe are reviewers or podcast hosts or – I'm trying to think who else that would be – like, Uh, But basically, people who read for their full-time job, Mm -hmm. they are reading like 200 books a year, and I cannot fathom it good for them. But you have a day job, Mm -hmm. and I have a reading-related job, but it is certainly not – I wouldn't – I don't know. I don't know if reading is even the main part of my job, to be honest with you. It's just a part of it.
1: My boss, who has, I think, a much more difficult job than I do, she read over 250 books last year. (gasps) And I was like, and most of it's, you know, she's listening to audiobooks while she's working. I cannot do that.
0: I can't either. I finally, I heard Knox McCoy on the Mm podcast talk about how he felt seen at some kind of Enneagram conference. He's an Enneagram five. Mm -hmm. I'm an Enneagram five. And he talked about how (laughs) when somebody starts talking to him in the middle of a TV show that he's watching, he pauses the TV show. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, of course, obviously, so do I. But apparently that is very much tied into the Enneagram 5, wanting to intake the right amounts of information and being able to take information in as best they can. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I was stunned by that. But it explains, I think in part, why I can definitely listen to an audiobook while I Wash the dishes, but I cannot listen to an audiobook while I type up notes. I would just transcribe the entire book. That's what right. I do. I can't, I, yeah. can't, I can't do it. And again, two hundred and fifty books. remember, did you did you watch that Chris Evans on a Ferris movie? What's your number? The number was about something different, as you might guess. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. yeah,
0: but I feel like we could have a bookstagram version of that. <laughs> like a new rom-com called What's Your Number? And I feel like numbers are great if you care about that. Mm -hmm. And I find it very fascinating that the year I made my goal to read 100 books, I hated everything. And then I was like, I'm never doing that again. And now for the last two years, I've read 122 books. Mm -hmm. And this year, I don't know how you felt, and I don't know what your number was, but this year I finished... Oh, I don't know. I finished my last book a couple days before the new year and I said my brain can't take anymore. I cannot read one more thing. Mm -hmm. I don't want to read one more thing. And I feel like I'm just now kind of getting back into reading because I honestly feel like I might have burned myself out. 122 books is a lot of books. (laughs) Oh
1: yeah. Oh that is, yeah. I did not keep track of my books last year because I knew that seeing the number and like just seeing it in comparison to everyone else's was like driving me wild. like i was like i can't Mm -hmm. think i can't think about it
0: yeah to each their own like i feel like there are some people for whom tracking numbers is probably like uh i don't know tracking habits or and so you know you do you right and i did it for my job (laughs) and i did it for my job but it is funny to me that it's not funny like haha funny but it is entertaining to me that this time last year you were like yeah i can read all the national book award long list finalists absolutely that it was a lot of books. And you did you covered a lot of books last year.
1: Yeah. I covered all of the fifties and the first like third of the sixties, which is because there were some years that had like 17 books on a long list. So yes. I mean Yeah. It's
0: ridiculous.
1: No, it's I and I and the thing is is like, you know, I was not just reading national book award books i was also reading you know a lot of new releases i was reading a lot of other random books that people were like oh you have to read this you read Uh, a lot of
0: booker finalists you read for this podcast you read a lot of books last year and not easy books to read either those are very difficult works
1: (laughs) (laughs) also it's so funny because i so like i was thinking i was like yeah i was like wow like i felt so depressed at multiple points throughout last year and i wonder why and i realized most of the books in the, and I've talked about this, but most of the books from the 50s are about World War II.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, surprise, surprise, <laughs> reading a lot of books about World War II is very depressing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, for new people listening, can you tell them about your National Book Award project? And then I want to know is, a, is this something you're going to continue in 2023?
1: Yeah. So, at the beginning of 2022, I started this project where I decided I was going to read every single National Book Award fiction long list from the beginning of the award until now, and throughout last year, I read all of the fiction books from 1950 until I think I got to 1963. And as of right now, I'm I'm still continuing on the project, but I'm taking a break from reading it in order. And I've mm. been kind of covering the last couple of years, and also just reading some of the books that I missed in the last couple of years. Like uh, this upcoming newsletter is going to cover the five books that were on the long list from 2017 Mm. because I just covered the five books that were on the short list. Okay. And also here's the thing too, is I started reading these award books because I thought it's going to help me read the best books ever written. Mm. It's going to do do all these things. And then what I slowly realized was how political all of these decisions were, how Mm. so many other books were overlooked because of this reason or that. I realized how American centric my reading had become. Mm -hmm. And, and it really kind of made me and and I, and actually I had really great friends who are really great readers, like kind of like, I won't say calling me out, but they were just kind of like being like, hey, heads up, like, you know, when you're discussing these books, you're kind of like, they knew I was taking this very seriously as a project. And so a lot of these people who were very like scholarly minded were like, have these things in the back of your mind when you're approaching this project mm-hmm. and, and and it helped me that's part of the reason why I started reading a lot of you know I've been reading a lot of translated lit lately I've been reading a lot of books that are written from just in other areas of the world and it's it's definitely helping my reading and that's the thing too it's so funny we talk about reading diversely all the time and how everyone's like oh I want to read diversely and people think that means like oh let me read like a book about you know some like horrific thing by like one marginalized group and that's going to be enough. But it's like, it's not <laughs> just about that, right. It's about like truly reading diversely as far as like reading from different points of view, reading from p- different places, reading, reading poetry yeah. or nonfiction, whatever that I was means. about to say
0: reading different genres, reading. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I was really curious what you were going to do with the project in 2023. Cause I've loved following along mm-hmm. with your newsletter. Like you do approach it so thoughtfully, but it's also a daunting project. Like it's a lot of books. And yeah. I wondered if you were burnt out, But it sounds like you're not burnt out, but you are just kind of mixing it up a little bit in 2023.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely reconfiguring it for January and February. I think I'm going to keep going back until I reach probably about 2010. Mm -hmm. And then I'll switch back to doing the rest of the 60s for Mm -hmm. March and April because I just feel like, because that's the thing, I don't want to get burnt out. And and there were times where I would even write about like, I'm feeling kind of burnt out and I don't want to because I want to give these books the respect and the time they deserve. And it's really funny because I like I I'd had some people who were like, "Oh, like I don't really like." Some people don't like hearing that, but I think you do. You should be honest with your with your audience if you're talking mm-hmm. about books about like how your personal feelings about reading.
0: Yes, because I mean, people have asked before. And I'm sure they've asked you too, like, do you still like to read? Like, you know, do you still like to read if if it's something that is part of your job? Speaking of people who are reviewers or podcast hosts or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. is it still something you enjoy? And I always want my answer to be yes. And so if I want it to be yes, then I have to figure out what boundaries I need to set or what things I need to do to ensure that reading is still an enjoyable activity and not just something I'm checking off a giant, you know, to-do list. And I like your reading project, especially because I tend to read by nature of my work, contemporary lit. Mm -hmm. And I like, even if I know I cannot read these books right now, but there will come a time in my life where I will not be consumed by contemporary lit. And now I have some books that I have read about through your newsletter where I'm like, oh, I really want to read that. There were a couple of books I think in the 50s, where I was like, oh, these sound like books I would really enjoy. And I would write you, like I'd shoot you an email back and say, hey, (laughs) is this something for me? Because it may not be something I can make time for in my current reading life, but there will come a time when I can. And so I like that nature of your National Book Award project because it's inspiring me to read older titles that otherwise I would never have heard of at all. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, unless a book was actually the winner of the National Book Award, there are times where I wouldn't have heard of it. So I'm grateful for your project for that.
1: Yeah. Well, and I will also just very quickly say, so like there, there are several people who follow along with this podcast who were very lovely to kind of follow along with the newsletter. One person is uh dusty who we've both met in person. Oh,
0: dusty, Yes.
1: And I always love anytime that she responds. And that's one thing too, you know, I, I know I think sometimes people get this idea that like, Oh, like there's like this weird, like inaccessibility with people, but like anytime that anyone messages me and is like, Hey, like, I like these types of books. Would I like any of these? I'm always mm-hmm. more than willing to say, yes, here are the ones I think you might actually like and here's the ones to avoid.
0: Hunter is so good at that. I mean, he is like my personal bookseller sometimes because <laughs> I know he will tell me. Absolutely not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he will tell me, no, you don't need to read that. Oh, are you and and I like that because you are sometimes more respectful of my time than I am. Like you <laughs> you will guard my time for me, which I really appreciate. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Okay, so your New Year's resolution last year, reading resolution, was to read through the National Book Award list. We've talked about the ways in which you're Mm -hmm. tweaking that for 2023. My reading resolutions were threefold. One was that I was going to make it my Toni Morrison year. The previous year had been my Jane Austen year. Um, This was an idea I actually got from a bookstore, like at a book conference I went to, where they picked an author every year and kind of lauded that author's work and hosted book clubs around that author's work. And so anyway, 2021, I did Jane Austen. 2022, I did Toni Morrison. I read three of her works, which I'm really happy about. Ressa Beloved, and Sula. And then, you know, so many kind readers were like, oh my gosh, but you missed Song of Solomon, or you missed The Bluest Eye. Here is the wonderful thing about these projects. I didn't read all of Jane Austen's works either, but it helped me get over the hump of either not having read any or just having read, you know, Pride and Prejudice, for example. Mm -hmm. And... It gave me a better view of their work and I think allowed for future accessibility. So I have on my shelf, the listeners cannot see this, but like mm. I have on my shelf, like two other Toni Morrison works that I have bought that I fully intend to read. And I believe that I will read them outside of my air quotes Toni Morrison year. One thing I also like about setting aside these years is. It's not just about reading the works themselves, but it's like stumbling upon works about these people. So like in 2021, I wound up listening to a really great podcast about Jane Austen. I think it was called Jesus Mm -hmm. and Jane or Jane and Jesus. Anyway, Uh it was lovely. And then in 2022, I wound up reading like there was a really good, I want to say it was a New Yorker article about Sula. Like, and so you kind of, when your brain opens up to it's almost like last year, I also, it was my Beatles year. And so everywhere I went, I mean, and the Beatles are like their own thing, but everywhere I went, I felt like, oh, there was a Beatles lyric I saw or, you know, some, some article popped up. And so that's the great news too, is it almost becomes like where I'm making my own curriculum, where Mm -hmm. I'm not only reading Toni Morrison's work, but I'm reading about Toni Morrison, or I'm watching documentaries about Toni Morrison. So... That's what I did in 2022. I also read The Count of Monte Cristo. That was our Conqueror Classic for mm-hmm. 2022. That felt like a very big accomplishment. Every time we finish one of those, I just feel like it's not a burden. It's not like a weight, but it does feel like, oh my gosh, we did it. <laughs>
1: we, yeah. We
0: did it. We finished it. It's a big deal. Um, so that was my second reading resolution. And then my third was to track my books on StoryGraph, And I did not do that until... January 1st, when Jordan had COVID, I sat down and put all 122 books into StoryGraph. And I did not necessarily track like how long it took me to read them because I did not remember. But I did know which books I had read in which month. Mm -hmm. And so I tracked them all that way and was able to get then the stats that I was really interested in because the stats are what I was most interested in. And so I got those cool charts and graphs. I do recommend the StoryGraph app. I have just decided whoops, turns out I cannot keep track of more than one thing. And so the thing that I can keep track of is tracking my books on Instagram. And that is what I do. But then at the end of the year, if I want to put it all on Storygraph, I can. And it didn't take too long, right? It took me a couple of hours, I think. And so anyway, those were my reading resolutions. I feel like two out of three is not bad. And Storygraph did what I needed it to do, even if I didn't keep track all year long.
1: You have a new thing you're doing this year with your reading.
0: Yes. It's not really my reading resolution for 2023, but one thing I'm doing in 2023 is I moved my book reviews from my personal Instagram to a private Instagram account called Annie's Five Star Books. And I just wanted a way, almost like your national book award project, right? Like Mm -hmm. I wanted a way to communicate with readers. So like, you know, there's a handful of readers who are following me there and where I can kind of communicate with them. And to kind of start separating out a little bit, like Annie B. Jones, the person versus Annie B. Jones, the reader, the the bookstore owner, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that will be successful. (laughs) I feel like my brain is always trying to set these boundaries that may or may not need to be set. But I kind of wanted a home for those. Mm -hmm. And so I started this project. And I mean, full disclosure, it is a paid for Instagram account. Because at some point you realize, wow, I am doing a lot of free labor (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: and being able to charge what I hope is a fair amount. I think I did the math horribly, but I think it's like 50 cents a book review essentially. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for 50 cents a book review, but to get paid for that does matter. Like I do think getting paid for the work that you do is important. Um, I think it's important for you too. I'm I'm so glad that you took that leap and decided to start that project last year. And there are still other ways. You post book reviews on your public-facing Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like I will still post book reviews on From the Front Porch. Like we're still gonna do reading recaps here. So there's still a way, because obviously I want books and reviews to be accessible, but I also wanted to think creatively about ways to to get paid for the work that I could do so that I could keep doing that work. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, absolutely. Here's the thing too. Like, you know, I think that like, I know that I'm actually, no, I'm going to say I'm not biased. I know that I know that I'm like literally on your side, no matter what happens, you could like murder (laughs) somebody and I'd be like, it's fine. Um, (laughs) However, I think it's accurate to say that you are one of the, you're, I mean, like you are my favorite reader. Do you know what I mean? And so I, I think that there's tremendous value in what you have to offer. And I think that you could be getting... I mean, I think you could be working for Reese, Reese Witherspoon, picking out better books than some... I, I like I like some <laughs> of the ones that she chooses. Like, if you like... I, I do like some of them. Don't come for me.
0: The best celebrity book picker is Jenna Bush Hager, I think.
1: <gasps> that is so true. That is so
0: true. true. Yes. It's true. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk about this year's reading okay. resolutions. My first one Again, some of these aren't aren't particularly original. They're just following <laughs> past years. This mm-hmm. is my Wendell Berry year. So Wendell Berry is my brother's favorite author. He is beloved by so many, particularly Southern readers. Olivia and I were kind of talking about Wendell Berry because I was kind of getting my books ready, like I was ordering them from the bookshelf and figuring out what mm-hmm. I wanted to read. And I asked her, I said, hey, have you ever read any Wendell Berry? And she said, you know, I had never even heard of him until I moved to Thomasville. And I thought for a second and I was like, I'm not sure I had ever heard of him. I'm getting together with my brother this weekend and I kind of want to ask him how he stumbled upon Wendell Berry's work. Wendell Berry is from Kentucky. My brother went to college in Tennessee, did grad work there. And We have family heritage in Kentucky, so I'm like, is that where we kind of came across Wendell Berry's work? But he is very popular in Thomasville, in Southern bookstores. Like, you hear him Mm -hmm. mentioned a lot. He's particularly known for his nature writing. Last year, you and I read Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, and I guess I just kept thinking, I would love to spend a year with Wendell Berry, like, quietly with Wendell Berry. I have friends who love him and adore him and adore his writing. He writes a lot, almost about kind of a technology-free kind of life. Mm -hmm. And so in a year where I am making room for silence and making room for quiet, Wendell Berry came to mind. The books that I know I would like to read are Jaber Crow and Hannah Coulter. So those are two that I have bought and I'm planning to read this year. The only work by Wendell Berry I'd read previously was his poetry. And so I have an idea. Um, After I'm done reading Little Women, I've been reading Little Women in a book club format in this early part of the year. But that club will end in mid-February. And so I've been reading a chapter of Little Women every night before I go to bed. And so I'd like to, fingers crossed, after that Little Women book club ends, to start reading a Wendell Berry poem before bed every night. I think Mm -hmm. that could be a lovely way to kind of shut down my day. And then there's a book by him that I think I would love called Standing by Words. But I just can't find it. It is not available to order. the bookshelf (laughs) Um, because it looks like it's not available from our distributor. It might be available directly from the publisher. Of course it's available from Amazon, but I'm trying not to do that. So anyway, it may be where I stumble upon him in a used bookstore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's the beauty of picking these authors is when you're at a bookstore, like and you, you know, because I've texted you from bookstores before, like, because I own a bookstore, sometimes I scratch my head. I'm like, what am I supposed to buy when I go to bookstores? <laughs> and I have to buy something to support, to support a fellow bookstore. Mm-hmm. But the answer I think lies in having these authors that you're kind of reading throughout the year. So Jaber Crow is what I'm going to start with. Hannah Coulter, hopefully some nonfiction in the form of standing by words, and then maybe some poetry. So my first reading resolution is to read Wendell Berry throughout this year, to have my Wendell year. I love that. I think yeah. it's great. Were you familiar with him? No. Okay. I know nothing. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to report back. I don't know what it is why he is so much in the air I breathe. Like he is mentioned frequently, but then like I was talking to Olivia and she was like, "No, I w-. and and I don't know that he would have been in the air I breathe pre-bookshelf. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. maybe because of my brother, yes, but you're a prolific reader and Olivia's a prolific reader. And I, so I don't know if it's a regional thing. I don't know if it's a genre yeah. thing. Like, I don't know if he's Christian adjacent. I, I really don't know. I'm going in, I'm going in knowing next to nothing except the Kentucky and Southern stuff. That's all I know.
1: I mean, I think it's exciting. I don't know. Sometimes it's fun to like, you, well, you know this. I loved going in knowing nothing.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think it's fun too. Yeah. What's one of your reading resolutions this year?
1: I've already kind of started it think i mentioned you know i've been reading more translated literature lately i just read the lost daughter by elena ferrante
0: oh yes wasn't that a movie too
1: yes okay. uh, i had olivia coleman in it yes so i watched the movie first okay and which listen i'm the kind of person where i'll watch a movie and then i'll read the book and have no qualms
0: i think that's the best way to be that's that's really mature of you
1: Thank you. I'm so mature. What can I, I'm <laughs> I think
0: so- you were about to yell at people. I think you were about to be like, take that, everybody, but I'm commending you on your maturity, so <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. But I also think so. I want to read more translated lit. I want to read more poetry. I do want to read more general nonfiction. I'm really trying just to fill in the gaps of my mm. reading. I did realize actually that like my my reading year so far has kind of felt pretty perfect just in that it feels like I'm capturing like everything that I like unintentionally I'm reading all of the types of stuff I love. Cause I finished that book search by Michelle. Oh yeah. And even, I really think that you'd really enjoy it. I think so too. I don't want to say five stars. Cause I'm not sure if it was like, I think it was maybe like four stars okay. for me, but like, but like a solid four, like
0: mm-hmm.
1: depending on like how long, how much it stays with me up to a five. And then I read woman eating.
0: Oh yeah. Olivia loved that.
1: Oh, so good. I, Love that one. I read less is lost.
0: Okay. Do I need to read that? You know, we no. did less last year. Okay.
1: I liked it, but I think if you read the first one, you're fine. Okay. And then I read the lost Daughter*, and then I read this, that new book, the new life. It just came out this month. Okay. Gray cover with like yellow writing. Oh, okay. It's like, it's set in the 1800s, yeah. late 1800s. So yeah. And that's, it's like about uh, these, these men who are writing about in defense of homosexuality in the late 1800s. It's uh, very good very steamy for anyone who's like
0: for anybody with annie's sensibilities
1: yeah (laughs) like it's like it's so funny i was reading this and and like several times i was like wow i like I would because it is it is very good and i would think i'd be oh annie would like this and then like there'd be like an explicit scene and i'd be like oh not
0: (laughs) 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 you have read it does sound like that's a wide range of genres for the start of the year it's only like day 20 or something
1: I know, yeah, and I'm and I'm like halfway through several other books. I um, Oh, I'm reading Tomb of Sand, which is a translated book from Hindi, and I've, I'm reading uh, a lot of Annie No, who I think you would like.
0: Yes, okay, you're the second person to tell me that. You gotta tell me where to start. I'm intrigued by her, but I need to know where to start.
1: Well, the good thing is, she's really short. A lot of her stuff is short.
0: Yes, yeah. so short. I yeah. feel like I could just dive in, but I need to know where. Are you reading in different formats, like... What percentage are you listening to versus reading a physical copy?
1: I just read the Lost Daughter, but uh, but the New <laughs> Life, Less is Lost, Woman Eating, and Search, I all went back and forth between listening and reading.
0: Meaning, you listen to some, and then you would go to the physical copy.
1: Yes, and honestly, listen, I think that if you're like if you have the ability to do that, and and I do think if you have if you get the Libby app, if, you know, like because I know that a lot of people are like, I mean, we, we no one has the money to get two copies of everything. That's right but if you have the Libby app then you can like get it from the library and i do think that if you're struggling with reading uh which i think mm-hmm. a lot of people are because we're like you know i mean the pandemic it, it is still like it's still a presence um yes and i do think it wears on us mentally and so i think that if you're struggling to you know because I, I fell out of my reading rhythm for a long time because of it. And I think that incorporating audiobooks and going between listening and reading the same book, it actually did help me a lot in keeping mm. in in keeping my rhythm up.
0: I love that because thanks to Storygraph, <laughs> I know that in 2022, 20% of the reading I did was in audiobook format. And I do think there were many instances in which I was able to finish a book because I was listening to it. And it's not the best format for me every time. Like, not Mm -hmm. every book do I enjoy in audiobook format. But there are many times when it helps me move along in a book. Uh, I think about most recently, I read Prince Harry's memoir, Spare. It's a better audiobook than it is a physical book. But I listened to it. But then I also was like, I need to finish this. Like, (laughs) need to finish this. And so I listened to some and then I read the physical copy some and I did both and it enabled me to finish it faster, which is not always the point, but with a book like that, it was the point. And so anyway, I think you're right. There is value, especially if you've lost your reading rhythm. I do think audiobooks can help with that.
1: Well, listen, audiobooks for everyone who's like gotten new reading goals, audiobooks are great for if you reading classics they're great for reading classics because you figure out the rhythm of the the language they're great for memoirs if the especially if the author if the of the memoir reads Mm -hmm. them uh because you just really kind of get into it feel it if the book is poorly written audiobooks (laughs) are great for that because a narrator can really disguise how bad a book is written (laughs)
0: Like, <laughs> That's so true. They they can either disguise it or they can amplify it. It oh, depends yes. on the narrator. Oh, yes. <laughs> and,
1: and honestly, sometimes I wonder if some of these like narrators are like, "Oh, this is bad. You need to know it's bad too," kind of thing.
0: Yeah. 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 We need to be in this together. Mm -hmm. Speaking of classics, my second reading resolution is perhaps an obvious one, which is you and I are conquering a classic in 2023. Mm -hmm. This year we are reading Bleak House by Charles Dickens. We've literally just finished recording our first episode of that. Mm -hmm. And so if you are new here, we conquer a classic every year. We've done it since 2020. And we recap our reading of those classics for the From the Front Porch Patreon. You can find more information at patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. This year we're doing Bleak House and I am really enjoying it, but I particularly like reading classics like this in community. I think that is something I have noticed not only with our Conqueror classic, but I mentioned I'm doing that Little lim- Women book club this winter. And I love Little Women. Nobody needed to make me love it more. Like, you know, I already love that book. I have a lot of things I want to say about that book and about the history of it and the history of Louise May Alcott. But it has been such a joy to read it in community with other readers and to read it one chapter at a time. Mm-hmm. And Bleak House was released serially, and we are reading it. More or less, how it was serialized. We're like combining some so that we can mm-hmm. finish in a year. But I think there is something to that. I mentioned last year that Count of Monte Cristo felt like a spiritual reading experience. and what i what I meant by that wasn't like I that I entered some spiritual plane by reading Alexander Dumas. What I meant was, I think for a naturally bench, reader or a naturally fast reader, like I tend to be, and somebody who is reading a lot uh, for work or for goals or for shelf subscriptions, like you name it, there is something really beautiful about like somebody making me slow down and reading something one chunk at a time instead of, there's nothing wrong with like rushing through and reading a book in a day. Like sometimes books are really good and you want to finish them in a day. But I... I like the self-discipline it feels like it takes to read these classics little by little and mm-hmm. then to do- unpack them together has been such a joy. And I've, I've always loved unpacking books with you. Like that is something I've really enjoyed over the years. Mm-hmm. But getting to do it in community with a group of people has also been really gratifying in a way I don't think I could have known because more people are reading with us, I think, than ever before. And it was so fun last year to like get to clap for everybody and applaud for everybody yeah. when they finish the count. Yeah. And now we're starting Bleak House and you know the first two chapters may be a little slow and we're here to help each other and cheer each other on. And so I really like that. So we're reading Bleak House and the goal is to be done this year. And I'm really excited about that.
1: I think the exciting thing about like the, the whole Conqueror Classic thing that like, especially now that we're on our fourth year, is that at this point, we know we can do it because we've done it three times.
0: Yes, we can and, do it.
1: Yeah. And I think that like books with burying struggles you know like Mm -hmm. it's so funny i always think about how like people are always saying you have to set like short-term goals and long-term goals Mm -hmm. and you know we have our short-term goals of like little things we want to do like in the month of january or for the first six months yes and then we have our like no we want to and honestly at this point we could just lie and say oh (laughs) back in 2020 we had this idea to read five classics in five years and now we're on (laughs) our fourth, you know, like I'll make that up. That's fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're right. There's something really special about, I don't know about setting a goal and, and seeing it through and also just doing it one little bit at a time. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I think over the years we've also increased well, I won't speak for you, but for me as a reader, I've increased my stamina of what kind of classics I like, My brother and I were talking, because I I did great books in in undergrad, and some of the books I read, my brother was like, you don't read books like that anymore. And I was like, yeah, because I'm not in school anymore. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, but I do kind of miss some of that, though, actually. Like, once he said it to me, I was like, oh, I do kind of miss that. And so when we decided to read Anna Karenina in 2020... I found it to be challenging because my brain wasn't used to that style of reading anymore. And I'm not saying it's gotten easier, but I will say there is something about forcing your brain to do something that it is out of the habit of doing that I think is good for us. I don't know. I'm I'm talking to you, CrossFit King, and it feels like there's some kind of athletic uh, comparison there as well. Um, But I don't work out. And so this is – but I work out my brain. And so this is what I can do and stretch my brain. and I think to do it with a partner or with Mm -hmm. a group of people is easier than to do it by yourself
1: oh listen this is the thing that i it's so funny because i think that i did not grow up playing sports i did not grow up with a lot of uh, you know i was i was i moved schools a lot i was homeschooled sometimes i my only friend was my granny i did not understand community when i was younger but Mm -hmm. and i did not understand long-term goals either like those are the two things Mm -hmm. i didn't get but as i've gotten older I've learned that it is really important to set like, you know, I think that reading a book in a year, writing Mm -hmm. a novel, working out to get, you know, to like get like what you want out of your fitness, whatever. Like these are all, they're all the same thing, Mm -hmm. you know? And because the thing is like, I go to work out with a group of people every day and, and it's the same people. It's a community and we're all building towards the goal. We know that we're not going to get there tomorrow, but we'll get there a year from now or two years, five years, whatever you and I, we show up, with a whole bunch of other, a whole slew of people now that's so excited, but you know, and we're like slowly yeah. getting towards this thing. And like, you know, you and I have talked a lot about writing and how, like, you you just it's just about learning to show up, and mm-hmm. it's okay if it's not great, but as long as you're present.
0: Not every section of *Count of Monte Cristo* was fun and games. Right. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't fun. Um, it wasn't always fun, but the end goal sure did feel good. And I think we both left that book, even though maybe the ending left both of us wanting more. I think we ended that book feeling, yes, really proud of ourselves, but also we read this really great work of world literature. Like, Mm -hmm. that's important. I think it's important. Can I tell you two other reading resolutions that kind of go together? Yes. Well, let me tell you one frivolous one, (laughs) which is one of the things I did when I looked at my story graph stats was like which genres were kind of at the top. Mm -hmm. I was thrilled to see in 2022 an an increase in literary fiction because it felt like 2020 and 2021, I just worried I had lost that love forever. But I Mm -hmm. hadn't. Um, It's back. But one of the genres, probably third or fourth, was romance, which surprised me. (laughs) But I do tend to read, like, commercial romance. I call them rom-coms, but a reader and listener reminded me that that's not always the case. Sometimes (laughs) they're just strict romances. But I also noticed many of the books I rated three stars or fewer were romances. And so it made me think, in 2023, it would be great if I could read quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. I wasn't intentionally reading romances to, like, up my numeric game. Right. Um, But they are often easy to read. Mm -hmm. But then I would end and not always really like them. Now, there were exceptions, and I'd like to be very clear about that. One of my top ten books of the year was Nora Goes Off Script. I love Funny You Should Ask. Like, I have reread that book twice. I love it so much. I love Carrie Winfrey's books. So, like, there is a place for really well-written romances and rom-coms that I really love. But I think in 2023, I would like to be mindful of what I'm reading. Mm -hmm. And I think I just assumed, which this is silly Mm -hmm. as someone who loves the romantic comedy as a film genre, I assumed all rom-coms or all romances are created equal when they're published by a certain publishing house or Mm -hmm. by a certain imprint. And that is not true. Not everybody is Emily Henry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I love Emily Henry. (laughs) And so why don't I save my fun romance reading for authors I know I'm going to like, like Carrie Winfrey or Emily Henry, or Annabelle Monaghan has a new book, I think, coming out this year. And so why not save those treats for the authors who I already know, I really like. And there's no need to try every romantic comedy that comes across the bookshelf's desk. And I think that, I don't know, I think that's one reason to look at your story graph stats. Because it could help you see, oh, I don't know that I really need to read 122 books. If 10 of them were these books that I rated under three stars, Meh. I don't, and then when you look at what genres those books are, and you realize, oh, there's a theme, there's a commonality. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't actually like these books. Maybe I keep thinking I like them, but I actually don't. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's one of the things I'm going <laughs> to work on this year. I think.
1: I think it's good. Well, because actually, I read a lot of rom coms. Or for me, I read, I read like five or six last year. Yeah. Which is were a- they
0: good ones? Yeah. Here's the
1: thing. I've real. Well, what one? I listened to them on audiobooks, so it was okay. better. But two, I realized that I'm just a snob and (laughs) I just don't allow myself. I'm like, I spend the first, I like, so I've learned this about like, especially like with like MM, male, male rom coms. I've Uh learned that I spend the first 70 or 80 pages going, ugh, this is disgusting. And not because like I'm I'm not like I, like to be clear I'm not homophobic. Well, I guess you can be homophobic, um, but because I just I'm, I don't like romance. I don't. I tell myself I don't like rom coms. Uh huh. And then I'm like, oh, but wait, maybe. And then by the end of it, I'm like, wow, this is great. But then I'm too embarrassed to tell people because I'm a I'm a snob. And so,
0: look, you should own it because there are legitimately really well written, thoughtful romances. And hey, I'm just here to say. Even if they're not well-written, if they're fun and bring you joy, that is absolutely fine. Yeah. I'm just looking at my reading and seeing that I did not get of the level of enjoyment. Because when I do star ratings, my star ratings have to do with enjoyment. They don't just have to do with writing. And I was looking at some of the star ratings and realizing, oh, I did not enjoy as many of these as I wanted to.
1: There, I, uh, also, I will say this the romances that you did give lower review, like lower start. I was like, Oh yeah, I can like, I read parts of those and was like, I can see why. So like, yeah,
0: there's just one in particular that I was like, this is not for me. And then I think at reader retreat, some other readers like gently pushed back and they were like, Oh, I love that book. And I thought that is truly, I mean this, that is awesome. And that is great for you, but I wound up really not liking it. And so I don't want to really, I don't really want to read those in 2023. I want to read books that I like.
1: I was there for that Oh, request. you
0: were there. And
1: the <laughs> the what the reaction was so <laughs> I like I was I was like thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, are we gonna have to get her a bodyguard? <laughs>
0: it was so <laughs> strong. It was so yeah. visceral. And I stand by my statement that I say on this podcast all the time, which is a book can be good for you and not for me, and vice versa. Mm. Like not every book that is good for me is gonna be good for somebody else. Um, but I think when I looked at my reading stats and realized, what did I rank low? And then I saw that there was a commonality. And then at the same time, I read five-star rom-coms that I absolutely loved. I thought, oh, we can do better. We can do better this year. Like, we can really, just like I curate for customers, I can curate for myself Mm. the romantic comedies that I know I'm really going to like. Okay, and then my last reading resolution really has to do kind of with Bleak House and kind of this kind of audiobook Physical book reading that we're, we've been alluding to, which is this podcast that I swear I'm, I promise I'm not going to talk about it forever, but I listened to this podcast with Ezra Klein and the author Marianne Wolfe. They talked beautifully about the concept of deep reading, mm-hmm. and it was interesting, intellectually stimulating, convicting. Like, And it made me think about how I read and in what ways I could be a better reader, meaning speed reading is great and fine, especially for certain books. But are there other books that I really want to take my time with? So when I read Bleak House, maybe I want to underline. Maybe I want to take my time with it. Maybe I want to set the stage so that I'm giving myself the the attention needed because our attention spans are fried. And you can blame social media. You can blame the pandemic. I mean, any number of things. It's all legitimate. But our attention spans are fried. And I don't really want my attention span to be fried. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm trying to think, okay, what books do I want to sit down and read physically and like underline? Is it okay to read Prince Harry's memoir in audiobook format, yeah, I think that's fine. <laughs> I think that's yeah. fine. Um, I'm listening to Stacy Schiff's new book about Samuel Adams because I figure it almost sounds like a podcast to me, like it's nonfiction, so it listens like a podcast to me. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's a fine way for me to read that book. Um, and if I choose to pick up a physical copy to like supplement my reading, I think that's fine too. But to really analyze what I'm reading, physical copies of what I'm listening to in audiobook format. And then how social media plays a role in what I'm reading. Not influencing what I'm reading, like following you or following a book Instagram account. I mean, when do I scroll versus when do I read? Like, mm-hmm. And so trying to remind myself, you know what, we can turn the phone off. We can set the phone on airplane mode and really devote yourself to this book and get lost in it. Because I don't want to give books... The Short End of the Stick, because of my attention span, which I think happened a lot in 2022, where I was like, I didn't really like that book. And it wasn't that I didn't like it. It was that I did not give that book the time or attention it needed or deserved. There's a book right now that I think if I could give it the attention it needed, I think I would love it. It's a Mm -hmm. book coming out later this month. But I have not been able to sit down and focus on it. And so as a result, I feel like I hate it. And I'm like, I don't think I hate it. I think I would love it. I just need to be able to sit down with it. And so trying to take these things that I kind of learned from this concept of deep reading, um, Marianne, she talks about what she starts her day with and how she ends her reading day and kind of bookends her day. And so I love some of the principles, and I'd really like to apply some of them to my reading life and just see how my reading life and attention span changes this year. Mm -hmm. Like, can I focus more what could that look like for me? So that's one thing I'm taking into the year. I haven't like nailed down maybe formal goals to deep read as much as I just want to start paying attention to which books I'm reading physical copies of, which books I set aside time for, which I kind of rush through. Like, I kind of want to figure out what am I skimming? What am I reading deeply? That kind of thing.
1: Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. And
0: that's- I want you to listen to that podcast so we can talk about it.
1: I'm excited because that's the thing, right? Like especially especially if you're trying to read more challenging books, like for me it's not enough just to like read it to check it off my list, right? Like you want right. to read it because you want to get something out of it.
0: You want to remember it. Yeah. I don't I, or at least I do. And and every but that's the other thing to remember. Every reader reads with a different goal and mission in mind. Mm -hmm. And so for some people, I really do think it's the numeric goal or it's, I want to learn something. My 82-year-old aunt is a huge reader and she comes to the bookshelf all the time and she'll she'll ask me, Well, how many books have you read? And I'll tell her, I think she read about 80 books last year. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I can't keep up with you. And then she did like a long pause and she said, But I'm reading really long books. And she reads, like, big historical nonfiction. And I was like, Nina, you definitely are reading more than I am reading. (laughs) Our numbers are just different. But, but like, she is reading to learn. Like, Mm -hmm. she wants to read big British biographies because she wants to learn something. And so her end goal might be different from mine. Mine is to find shelf subscriptions and to curate a bookstore and to share my love and passion with books to other people. And that means loving the books that I read. And so... Everybody's kind of goal is different. But as I'm looking at my reading life, I guess I'm just thinking, oh, I really want to make sure I'm giving attention to things. Because to this day, some of my favorite books in the last 10 years were books that I read in 2018. Like that was just a really good reading year, I think, where I was giving books a lot of attention. And so I want to make sure when it, the year is 2030 and I'm looking back, I think there may be books from 2020 and 2021 that I cannot remember because i think those were mm-hmm. hard years on our attentions and yeah. 2023 i would love if it were different i would love if that were different
1: yeah i think it's great
0: okay those are my reading resolutions were those yours
1: yes i didn't have many because i was like love, hope <laughs> the best <laughs>
0: you, you know to be fair that national book award project just really uh is is quite the feat so i feel like it covers a multitude <laughs> of reading resolutions i think so yeah <laughs> yeah you're good Well, we would love to know your reading resolutions. I've seen some of them on Instagram, but you can follow at Bookshelf Teeville and find the Instagram post that has to do with today's episode. If you'd like to leave us your reading resolutions, the Bookshelf staff has also been sharing their reading resolutions on Instagram. It's been very fun to see what the staff wants to read this year and what their goals are for the year. I hope you will feel inspired to share yours. This week, I'm reading Games and Rituals by Catherine Heiney. Hunter, what are you reading?
1: I'm reading *The Farewell Tour* by Stephanie Clifford.
0: From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of the Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow the Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at BookshelfTVille, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, BookshelfThomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Cammie Tidwell, Chantal C., Kate O'Connell, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, Front Porch Friends, Book Club Companions, and Bookshelf Benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.